Amen. Thank you for singing and sharing that with us. Would you take your Bible and open them please with me to Ephesians chapter number 1. We're going to look at the first four verses in just a moment. Ephesians chapter 1. Our next Sunday night for our Overcomers uh, group will be March the 22nd on, at 5 o'clock on Sunday evening. Now, we have some flyers back at the back. They're around on this table as well. If you want to get one and give it to a friend or post it at work or hand them out uh, at school or wherever you may go, this is a Sunday evening like our last one that is sponsored by our Overcomers small group Sunday school class that meets in the gym. And we'll have testimonies of folks that are in recovery and how God is blessing them. Last time, uh, we were packed out. We just had a great, great night in the Lord. And I'll bl I believe we'll, we'll have another, another great night as well. In fact, one of the uh, 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 young ladies, a single mom and her daughter, that we're going to try to help in the uh, recovery efforts is friends of Justin's and Kendra's there in Cookville as well. So we're in the process of trying to help sort through and see what needs uh, are needed and how to, how to help in those ways. But anyway, we're looking forward to that time as well. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. If you would stand, please, for the reading of God's Word this morning. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, faithful and in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Lord, may You bless the reading of Your Holy Word and just touch our hearts as we see and experience this Scripture today. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. Thank you and be seated please. I want to give you a little background of this text and then in a moment I want to show you a, a movie clip that we watched last Sunday night. But as you look at this passage of Scripture, here's the background of it. Paul stayed in Ephesus for about a little over two years on one of his missionary trips that he took. These trips are recorded in the book of Acts. But after he left Ephesus... Some ten years later, he wrote back to the church. When he wrote back to the church, he wrote what we would call, or they call in theological circles today, a circular letter. It was a letter that was to be circulated among all of the churches in Asia Minor. So Ephesus read the letter. The people in, in Philippi read the letter. And on you go. It circulated among all of the churches. And he begins this theme in 
his writing to, the, to Ephesus about who you are in Christ Jesus. And that's why on your outline today, we're looking at this phrase, who I am as a Christian. And we're going to go through all of those, not all of them today, but we're going to look through all of them. We're going to show you a clip from the movie that we saw on uh, last Sunday night because that is a centerpiece in this young lady who was the uh, girl that was involved in cross-country running. When she discovered who she was in Christ, it totally changed her life uh, so much for the better. In fact, that movie really, boy, it just had my heart all week. I've asked Daniel to show it again tonight here in our auditorium. We're not going to have the popcorn chips and all the goodies like that. But at 6 o'clock, we're going to show this movie again in case you missed it want to come and see it or have friends that want to come and see it. I know I, I want to see it again. If I'm the only one that shows up, that'll be fine with me. I love this movie. It's such a powerful movie. But watch this clip out of this movie as this young girl is discovering who she is now that she's a Christian. Daniel. Anna, you okay? Ask me who I am. Ask me who I am. Who is Hannah Scott? I am created by God. He designed me. So I'm not a mistake. His son died for me just so I could be forgiven. He picked me to be his own, so I'm chosen. He redeemed me, so I am wanted. He showed me grace just so I could be saved. He has a future for me because he loves me. So I don't wonder anymore, Coach Harrison. I am a child of God. I just wanted you to know. That's powerful, isn't it? Well, the whole movie is. Give me a minute to recover, and then we'll get on, we'll, we'll begin. When you look at this passage of Scripture that we're reading this morning, the first two chapters of the book of Ephesians really tell us who we are in Christ Jesus now that we have been saved, now that we're a Christian. I've listed a bunch of the things on your notes for you. Some of them are a little bit hard to pick out if you're just reading through the Scripture passages. You've got to sort of work at it a little bit to find some of these. But like I said a moment ago, I've listed maybe 12 or 13 or 14 things 
out of these first two chapters of the book of Ephesus. But we're not going to get to all of those today, but we're going to look at the first uh, few of them today. Uh, the first one that I want you to notice that Paul said to the people at Ephesus, and all of these that were going to read this letter, he says, who you are, who am I? I am blessed. Notice it there in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And so what Paul is saying to the believers there at Ephesus to remember and know that, that you're a blessed individual. Now, if I were to say to us this morning, let's all give a testimony about our blessings. Here's the way all of our testimonies would pretty much go, and, and certainly they would be true. We would say, well, uh, I'm, I'm blessed with good health. I'm blessed with a good family for the most part. I'm blessed with a house. I've got a place to live. I'm blessed with a car I can get around. I'm blessed with a good job I can make a living. But you see, when we come to this passage of Scripture, that, that's not at all what Paul's talking about here. And so sometimes I find we even as Christians, even that have been saved a long time, we're talking about our blessings on this level that I've just mentioned. But folks, we need to get up to a higher level and a higher plane of understanding how we are blessed as a believer in Christ did you notice closely what he said in that verse 3? He didn't say anything about our house, about our job, about our family. None of that is in that verse. But notice what he said in that verse. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now folks, that's a whole different realm than this earthly realm we talk about. I am blessed in heavenly places because I'm a Christian, because I belong to Jesus. Now, what in the world is that talking about, blessed in heavenly places? Well, let's read on a little bit further. Notice for a moment verse 20 of this same verse of Scripture, this same chapter, which God worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, and he seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Now there's a little clue for us. He said, now Christ is seated after his resurrection in heavenly places. Notice chapter 2 and verse 6. He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now I'm, I'm give, being able to figure out what's going on in the scripture passage. What Paul is saying, who I am as a believer. 
He is saying, I am seated with Christ in heavenly places there near at the throne of God because that is where Jesus has ascended to after his resurrection. So as I begin to understand who I am in Christ, how I am blessed in Christ, oh, it's more than a house. In other words, there are houses just 20 miles from us that do not exist anymore that belong to Christian people. So if their blessing is wound up in that house, boy, God just messed them up, didn't he? But that's not where their blessing is. Their blessing is in heavenly places, not down here upon this earth. We are seated with Christ. We are blessed as to be a part of spiritual blessings in Christ in heavenly places. Now, let me show you a verse of Scripture. If you'll, you'll just quickly turn over there to the book of Colossians chapter 3 for a moment. Now, we're going to come right back here to Ephesians. But just notice this heavenly places is described by Paul to the Colossians. Chapter 3 of Colossians verse 1. That's just a few pages over. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Now there's the definition of the heavenly places that he mentioned back in Ephesians. The heavenly places are there at the throne of God where Jesus is sitting at the right hand. And the scripture says, I am to seek those blessings from Christ in the heavenly, bless, the heavenly places. Verse 2, I'm to set my mind on things above. Let me ask you this. What consumes your thoughts through the week? Are your thoughts through the week just consumed with physical things that are around you here upon this earth? Are are or are you able to transcend in your mind and get your mind off of all the earthly stuff around you and transfer your thoughts and begin to think about some things in heaven where Jesus is? Because what Paul is saying as a Christian, I can go to a place that a lost person can't go to. I can receive some blessings in my life that an unsaved person cannot receive. I can trans transcend and I can think about the heavenly things in those heavenly places where Christ is because that's ultimately where my blessings are going to flow upon my life out of heaven into my life. That's who I am as I am blessed because of who Jesus is. And then in verses, the next several verses in chapter 3 of Colossians, he talks about the earthly things that we're to get away from. 
And then he talks about the heavenly blessings that we're to receive. And I'm not going to take the time to read all those right now, but I wanted just to sort of validate a little bit for us today what the Scripture's talking about when it talks about being blessed in heavenly places. Because I know the first few times I read that as a, as a Christian and as a young man, I had no idea what Paul was talking about. We are blessed in heavenly places. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. But, but that's, that's what we find. That's what we see. Notice a second blessing. Who am I in Christ? I am chosen. Notice it there in verse number 4. This is the same testimony the young lady started with that we watched a moment ago on the movie clip. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, I am chosen of God as a believer. That's who I am. That's who I am in Christ. He chose me. My identity is in Him. My identity is not I'm a preacher. My identity is not that I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a mother, or I'm a worker, or whatever it may be. Our identity as a believer is in Christ. I am identified with Christ. I am chosen. I am His. I belong to Him. And notice what he says about being chosen. I was chosen from the foundation of the world. I've got in my notes that Jeremiah 29.11 passage that we looked at earlier. The NIV says in its translation, I know the plans that I have for you, the plans that I have to prosper you and all of those things that it says. But I tell you, the, the old King James and new King James has, has a good translation there as well. I know the thoughts I have for you. I know the thoughts I have toward you. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. I sort of like that a little bit better than I know the plans I have for you. And I'll tell you why. God does have a plan for my life, and He's got a plan for your life. He has a plan for all of our lives. But when we really get down to where the rubber meets the road, God thought about me, and He thought about you even before our parents had any thoughts about us. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. I know the thoughts that I have for you. I chose you even before the foundation of the world, even before you were ever born, even before your parents were ever born, before your grandparents were ever born, even before I ever created everything that I've created, even before then, I chose you. I know the thoughts that I've had for you and about you. I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's who I am in Christ. That's who you are in Christ. That's who we are in Christ. None of these things that happen in our life take God by surprise. None of the events that transpire around us have God reeling and doesn't know what to do. No, God, God has us right in the center of His will as His believers, as Christian. Notice another word that we see here down in that verse number 3. He says, 
I chose you before the foundation of the world that you should be holy. I am holy. I am blessed. I am chosen. I am holy. That word holy means to be set apart. That word holy means to be reserved for God. You and I, as a Christian, we are reserved for God. We belong to Him. We're His. We're His special person. Have you ever been to a ball game or been to a concert and there was reserved seating, but you had a general admission ticket? I've been to a bunch of stuff like that. All the time when I go to those things, especially ball games, and I, I get general admission tickets, I'm up there and I get in my spot and then I start looking around. I want to find that reserved seat down there that's close to the field that somebody's not going to show up to sit in. And I'm going to work my way around and I'm going to get that seat and enjoy it for the ball game. I've done that a lot of times. And I can't tell you how many times, right about the time kickoff, here comes somebody and they say, Sir, aren't you sitting in my seat? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. I get up and leave and have to go back up there uh, to the nosebleed section. Oh, listen to me, friend. When it comes to who I am in Christ, that kind of thing doesn't happen. I am in the reserved section. I've been set apart. So have you been set apart. We have been made holy. That word holy doesn't mean perfect and sinless. It means set apart. It means reserved. God has reserved you and me for himself. We belong to him. There is one more that I want you to look at there for a moment. And it's also at the end of that verse 4. Notice, and let me go back and read the whole verse. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. I am blameless. That's who I am. I am blameless as far as standing and being in the presence of God. Do you know there is a passage of Scripture that really, really this, this being blameless really jumps out at us. I want you to turn there for a moment. It's in the book of Revelation chapter 20. Now you can go ahead and lose your place there in Ephesians. We're not coming back. We're going to look at this and then we're going to, be clo we're going to close. But I want you to look at Revelation chapter 20. And I want you to notice something here beginning in verse number 1. Revelation 20, ver verse number 11. I'm sorry, verse number 11, not 1. There's coming a day when we're going to stand before the Lord in judgment. I say we, I use that editorially speaking, we as people, the people of earth, the people that have lived, the people that have been born, everybody that's, been, that, that's breathed air on this planet is potentially going to stand before God in judgment. But I want you to notice there's a group of people that are not going to be included here in this scripture passage that I'm going to read us in a moment. 
There's a group of people that are not going to be there at that judgment. And the reason they're not going to be at this judgment is because they're blameless before holy God. But there's going to be another group of people that are going to be standing at this judgment. And this group of people, they are guilty. And so being guilty, they must stand before God at this judgment and give an account of of their life. Now I want to begin reading it in verse number 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. There was no place for them, this people that are guilty. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Now there's a key phrase. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. In Ephesians chapter number 2, Paul makes it a point to tell us that you are no longer among the dead, but you are among the alive. Now, I am alive in Christ. That's one of the last things we see on that outline this morning. We're not going to cover it, but I'm just sharing with you that Paul is telling us this. He is saying that you're alive in Christ. You are no longer dead. You're not considered dead. You're considered alive. Well, this passage of Scripture in Revelation is telling us that it's the dead that are standing before God. This is not a reference to physical death. Everybody's going to die physically unless Jesus comes back first. The word dead in this verse in Revelation In this verse number 12, it is not about physical death. It's a word that's designating spiritual death. Spiritual death. And the spiritually dead, those that did not know Jesus, those that were never forgiven and cleansed of their sin, those that had never embraced Christ Jesus and His death on the cross, As their Lord, their Savior, their Master, their sins had never been forgiven. In other words, they are not blameless as they stand before God. Ephesians 1.4 says, I'm blameless. I'm blameless. I'm not guilty before Him. I've been cleansed, I've been forgiven, I'm alive, I have been saved. And so I'm not going to stand here at this judgment before God because I've already been saved and forgiven. The dead and small and great will stand before God. The books were opened. Another book was opened which is the book of life. Now notice this. There's the book of works and the book of life, the books of deeds and the books of life. All of these books are being opened there. And the dead were judged out of those those books according to their works by whatever thing are written in the books. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead who were in them. Death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them and they were judged, each one according to their works. Then death and hell, death and Hades, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. What is going on in this scripture is all of these people, all of these people at this judgment 
are being judged out of these books and they're being shown why they're getting ready to be cast into hell for eternity. And they are cast into hell for eternity at the end of that verse 14. Death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. A person that is cast into hell at the end of time, at the end of this judgment, they are cast there. It's an eternal punishment in hell with the devil and his angels forever and ever. People that die lost without Christ. That's what this judgment is all about. It is about the lost being judged and cast into hell. I want you to notice the simple way that verse 15 ends this whole passage. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now I want you to look at that closely. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. How is it that a person gets their name written in the book of life? What is this book of life? Well, the 22nd chapter of Revelation tells us that it's called the Lamb's book of life, or, or the end of chapter 21, rather. It's the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb. Jesus is the one that died on the cross for us. Jesus is the one that was resurrected from the grave. Jesus is the one that ascended to the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the one who is seated in heavenly places. Who blesses us with those heavenly blessings. Jesus is the one that chose us from the foundation of the world. Jesus is the one that said we are set apart and reserved for him. Jesus is the one that says we are blameless because we've trusted him. He's forgiven us and cleansed us of our sins and we are blameless before him. These people that I just read about in Revelation 21 are not blameless. They are guilty of their sin. Why is it that you and I as a believer can say I'm blameless? Because we're forgiven. We've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We have the righteousness of Jesus Christ bestowed upon us as believers. There's a place in the scripture, and it's one of the favorite places that I love to go and read. It's found over in the book of Luke. I'm not sure exactly what chapter it is right off, but I think it may be around chapter 10, verse 20. That, I, that That's pretty close. It's, it's right in there somewhere. But Jesus has sent out the 70, those followers of his, and they're, they're to go witness in all the different cities that they go to. They're to go tell about Jesus. They're to go win lost people to Christ. And they go and they tell about all of these stories. They witness and they come back and they meet with Jesus and they're so excited. They said, Jesus, it's, it's amazing when we were out there. We were, we were doing this. We were doing that. We were doing healing the sick. We were doing this and that. And said, even Jesus, we discovered that when we were out there, 
Even the demons, the devil himself has to submit to us because of your power and because we're going out in your name. And Jesus looked at his disciples and the 70 of them, I can just see 140 eyeballs staring right at him and they looked at him and and Jesus said to them, look, I want to tell you something. Don't rejoice over going out and doing all of those things that you did. If you want to rejoice, I'll tell you what, here's what you rejoice about. And here's a quote from Jesus. You rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You know what he was saying? You rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Because if your name is written in that Lamb's book of life, You are blameless before God because you've been saved, you've been forgiven, you've been cleansed of your sin, you've placed your faith in me, and you will never stand before the judgment of going to hell. You're going to be gloriously with me in heaven for all eternity. I wonder today, is anybody here this morning that your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life? You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You ought to come to Him today. You ought to trust Him today. Have your name written right there in His book and you'll belong to Him. Would you pray with me as we get ready to sing in our invitation? Lord, have your way this morning as we sing, as we just share what you want us to share, Lord, in this altar call. Lord, if there are those that have never been saved, I pray that they'll come today and receive you as their Lord. If their names have never been written in the Lamb's book of life, they've never confessed you. To make, to come to the church, to join the church, to follow Christ in baptism, whatever it may be, Father, would you lead and guide in this moment, in this hour. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name, and we look forward to what you're going to do among us. Amen. Would you-